0: No, it is so good to see you all in the house of the Lord. I want to tell Brother Andy how much I appreciate that beautiful message and song for all of the instrumentalists that helped lead us uh, into worship this morning to enhance our time of worship before the Lord. But that's just a powerful song, and it's one of my favorite verses of Scripture. uh, In God's Word, be still and know that I am God. And there's times in life where we're so busy and we're hurried that we just need to pause and remember who God is, and no matter how out of control things may seem to be in the world in which we live in, we serve a God who is sovereign and who is still on his throne, and he is in control of this world in which we live. We just need to focus our eyes upon him. I am convinced maybe that the greatest sin of America is the sin of busyness. We are so busy at times that if God really wanted to speak to us, I don't know that we'd even be able to hear him. I don't know if you ever find yourself like that in life, just running here and there and kind of meeting yourself along the way. You ever find yourself like that? And I think because of that at times we really miss what it is that God wants to speak into our lives and into our hearts. And really what we need to do is just to pause and we just need to listen to the voice of God and we need to know we need to be still and know that he is the sovereign God of the universe and he has given us the privilege of knowing him and worshiping him. I don't know about you but that's an awesome thought to me when I have when I understand that and I realize that in my life. If you have your bibles this morning we want to go back to that central passage of scripture that we have been focusing on for the last several weeks in church. It's found in the book of Acts, Acts the second chapter. So if you want to find your place there in a moment, we'll begin reading in verse 41 and we'll read through verse 47. We have been focusing on different characteristics of God's church. We have discovered discovered several different characteristics concerning God's church. And I think that we're going to discover another characteristic this morning. One that I believe is of great importance and I think God really wants to challenge us through His Word today with this characteristic that we find here. This morning what I would like to do is start by quoting a verse of scripture to you. And what I want you to do is this, when I quote this verse of scripture, I want you to ask yourself just one question when I'm finished quoting it. This is the question that I want you to ask yourself today. Do I truly believe that verse of Scripture. One more time, the question I want you to ask yourself after you hear this verse is, do I truly believe that verse of Scripture? Actually, it's one of the Beatitudes of Jesus Christ, but it's not one of the well-known Beatitudes of Jesus Christ. It's one of the lesser-known Beatitudes of Jesus Christ. It doesn't appear in the book of Matthew where we see Jesus Christ's Sermon on the Mount, and he's quoting this list of different Beatitudes. We actually find this Beatitude in the book of Acts. It is Acts, the 20th chapter in the 35th verse. These are the words that are spoken by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Listen to them very carefully. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. One more time, now listen to it. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Let me ask you a question. Do you really believe that verse of Scripture? You know, at times it's easy for us to give a mental assent to a verse of Scripture and nod our heads and even voice the words that I believe that verse of Scripture. But the question I would ask you this morning is this, is that verse of Scripture exemplified through your actions? Through your daily living of life, are you a person who exemplifies that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive this morning i want to talk about a subject that makes some people in the church uncomfortable i want to talk about giving about giving i like what john vassanio said about giving he said the three greatest ministries that he had as a pastor was first The first thing was to be able to share the good news of Jesus Christ with a lost and dying person and have them come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. He said the second greatest thing that he could do as a minister of God's Word was to teach a person how to grow in the relationship with the Lord. The third thing he said that was the greatest privilege that he had was to be able to show people from God's Word how to rightly relate their finances and possessions to God. You know, it really doesn't matter what John Bassanio said, and it doesn't really matter what you and I think. Really, it only matters what God's Word says. Isn't that true? So I want us to consider God's Word for a moment and what God's Word says about those things, and I want to share with you two very interesting facts this morning as we begin. The first interesting fact I would share is this. Did you know that one-third of all the parables that Jesus Christ told in the Gospels was about how to rightly relate our possessions and our finances to God? Number two, this is another interesting fact, one out of every six verses found in the book of Matthew, Mark, and Luke speak to us about how to handle finances and possessions. Are you blown away by that? I am. When I think about the fact our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ spent that much time dealing with possessions and finances, I think you would have to agree with me more this morning if Jesus Christ spent that much time one-third of all of the parables he shared was about finances and possession. One out of every six verse in the uh, books of Matthew, Mark, and Luke deal with that. I think you would have to agree with me this morning as followers of Jesus Christ, that has to be important to our lives. So let me ask you another question. Do you think it was important in the early church? Oh yeah, it was quite important in the early church. As a matter of fact, Luke gives us one of the characteristics of the early church as being the early church was a giving people. Listen to what he says here in Acts, the second chapter, and we'll begin reading in verse 41. This is our central text for our study we have been doing on Sunday morning about the church. Listen, verse 41. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And, when, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Now, don't miss what he says here in verse 45. It is the key verse for our study this morning. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. Let's just pause a moment here and let's pray before we really jump in to what it is that God's word has for us today. Father God, we thank you for the reading of your word this morning. And Lord, we know that you teach us in your word, that where your word is preached and taught, it will not return void. And so Lord, we are trusting and believing in our hearts today that you have a message for us as your people. And Lord, if we will only open our hearts and our ears to that message, you will work in each one of our hearts and lives in your perfect way. So Father, I pray today that we would not simply be hearers of your word, but that we would be doers of your word. Father, I pray that you would hide me behind your cross, that people would not see me, but they would hear from you, because that is what is most important. Father, if there's anyone here today, who does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, I pray today would be the day that they give their hearts and their lives unto you. That they would come to know this Savior. They would come to understand God's grace, His love, and His mercy. And what Jesus Christ did for them at the cross. You guide us now through your Spirit, Lord. And we assure you, we'll give you all the honor, the praise, and the glory for everything that takes place this morning. We pray this in the wonderful and powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I want you to go back to verse 45 of the text that I read to you just a moment ago. I want you to listen to the words of uh, of Luke as he wrote this report about this early church. He said in verse 45, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. When I hear that verse of Scripture, it is easy for me to draw the conclusion that this early church was a giving church. Now, I want you to understand something. What is happening here in this passage of Scripture, they're not being coerced to give. As a matter of fact, this giving that is taking place among this early church was something that was voluntary. And it was done out of the love of the hearts of the people. They saw people within their church that had a need. Some people within the church had a means to meet that need. So what did they do? They sold what they have and they gave in order to meet the needs of those who were needy among them. We see that right here in this passage of Scripture. So we can draw the conclusion this morning that the church is a giving people we see that very clearly in this passage of scripture so this morning what I want us to do as I stated earlier I want us to spend a few moments talking about giving but really what I want us to do I want us to approach this subject from a very different avenue perhaps an avenue that none of you have thought about before Because really what I want us to focus our attention on this morning is not so much giving as it is grace and the role that grace plays in our giving is what I want us to think about today. So if you have your Bibles, open them over or turn over to 2 Corinthians, the 8th chapter. We're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture there in just a moment. As you're turning your Bibles there, let me share with you a little bit of the background of this passage of Scripture. If you remember, 2 Corinthians is the second of two letters that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. If you remember anything about that first letter that he wrote to the church at Corinth, it was a scathing letter. There were numerous problems in this church, and in that first letter, Paul addresses those problems. Well, in the second letter, 2 Corinthians, his whole attitude, his whole demeanor Has changed, So it's easy for us to draw the conclusion that this church had dealt with some of the problems that Paul had brought to their attention. In chapter 8 of this passage of Scripture, Paul is going to talk about an offering that is being taken for the church in Jerusalem. Now you know what church that is, right? That's the church we were just reading about. It was that first church that was started in Acts, the second chapter, the church at Jerusalem. And the people in that church were suffering greatly. They were going through hardships and trials, difficulties in life. Many of them had lost their livelihoods because of their faith in Jesus Christ. They had been ostracized from their families. And if that was not bad enough, there was a major famine that had struck the area of Palestine. People in Jerusalem and in Palestine were literally starving to death is what had happened. They were suffering. So as Paul travels from church to church, the different churches that he has planted, do you know what Paul does? He encourages those churches to take up an offering. To take up an offering, send it to him, and when he goes back to Jerusalem... Do you know what he'll do? He'll take that offering to help those who were suffering. What's unique about this passage of Scripture, the 8th chapter of 2 Corinthians, is the way and the manner in which Paul refers to that offering. Do you know what he refers to their giving as? He refers to it as an act of grace. You ever thought about that? That giving is actually an act of grace? Think about it for a moment. Jesus Christ came, sent by the Father, one and only Son, to hang and die on the cross for our sins. Was that an act of grace? Yeah. So Paul in this passage of Scripture refers to their giving as an act of grace. The problem is with this church at Corinth, a year before they had promised to take up this offering and to give it to Paul. But they had failed to do so. So you know what Paul's gonna do in this passage of scripture? He's going to hold up another church as an example for them to follow. He's going to hold up the church at Macedonia. He's going to say, look, this church at Macedonia they understand what it truly means to give. As a matter of fact, I like to say that the church at Macedonia gave out a grace. They were grace givers when we look at this passage of Scripture. Now, what's unique in this passage of Scripture is this when you come to it. When you read chapters 8 and chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians, Paul is speaking about giving. Do you know how many times the word money appears in those two chapters? If you said none, you're right. Paul never, ever uses the word money when he was referring to giving in these two passages of Scripture. And he does that for a very important reason. He wanted this church to understand generosity is not really about money. Generosity is about grace, is what he wanted them to understand. So Paul begins to teach this church through the example of Macedonia about what it means to give as an act of grace. This morning, I want to share with you three truths that I see in this passage of Scripture about what I refer to as grace Giving. Grace giving. Let's read this passage together and then we're going to come back and I'm going to share each one of those truths with you this morning. Listen to what Paul says here. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches at Macedonia. Do you hear how Paul started this passage of Scripture? He starts by making reference to the grace of God. I would encourage you as I read this passage of Scripture, count the number of times you see the word grace in this passage it's unique listen to what else he says for in a severe test of affliction their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty has overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part now he's referring to the churches at Macedonia when I read that I don't know if you're like me the first thing that comes to my mind Paul you've lost your mind that's impossible did you hear how he described the conditions of this church What does he say here? He says there was this great test of affliction. That's one of the conditions that these people in Macedonia were going through. Do you see that in this passage of Scripture? This church was facing persecution. Some people in those churches had lost their life because they had chosen to place their faith in Jesus Christ. Many of them had lost their livelihoods. Many of them had been kicked out of their families when they chose to trust Jesus Christ. But in spite of their circumstances, do you see what happens? They still choose to give. I wonder how many times in life we allow our circumstances to choose whether or not, to determine whether or not we will give. Isn't that true? Well, you know, this month was a little short you know, I've just really been busy this week. I don't really have enough time. You see what I'm saying? But do you notice what he said? The two conditions. As a matter of fact, so you'll understand just how destitute these people were, this phrase here, extreme poverty, do you know what that means? Rock-bottom destitution is what it means. They literally had nothing. But I want you to see their response. This is so mind-boggling to me, how they respond to Paul. Now listen to what they said. Verse 3, For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord. Paul didn't beg them. He didn't say, oh, you've you got to do this because God's word commands it. He didn't say any of that, did he? They gave of their own accord. Now listen, for they gave according to their means, as I could testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. Now listen here, I love this. Begging us earnestly for the favor. Begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us did you hear that here's this church they're at rock bottom destitution they have lost everything many of their friends and some of their family members have lost their life they know this group of christians back over in jerusalem they come to paul and they beg earnestly for the opportunity to give to the lord's work back in jerusalem wow, I would say they needed to be taken an offering for the churches of Macedonia. Wouldn't you? Extreme poverty, severe affliction, and they beg Paul, please let us help in this offering. As I studied this passage this week, it revealed so much to me about my own attitude in giving. As I look at this church, this group of believers in Macedonia, let me share with you just three truths very quickly this morning. Truth number one, grace giving is born out of my personal experience with God's grace. Grace-giving is born out of my personal experience with God's grace. Did you hear what Paul said about this church? He said in the very opening verse, he goes, I want you to know, he's writing to the church at Corinth, he's wanting the church at Corinth to know about the grace of God that has been given among the churches at Macedonia. This church had experienced God's grace up close and personal and as a result of experiencing God's grace up close and personal it welled up in their heart this generosity to give to the Lord's work do you see that in this passage of scripture isn't that so clear and evident here out of their extreme poverty their severe affliction welled up this overflowing generosity to give where they actually begged to give to the Lord's work. When I look at this group, this church, it is easy for me to understand what motivated them to give. They had experienced God's grace in their life, and as a result of experiencing God's grace in their life, there was this overwhelming desire to want to be a part of what it was that God was doing. They begged Paul, how can we help? How can we give? Listen, folks, when we've experienced God's grace up close and personal in our lives, when we understand what we have received from God is something we can never earn or deserve, there is a generosity that wells up in our heart that leads us to give above and beyond what the Lord asks of us. The first truth about grace-giving that I see in this passage of Scripture is grace-giving is Giving is born out of my personal experience with God's grace. Number two, grace giving starts, begins with me giving myself to the Lord. Listen to what Paul said here in verse 5, and this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. Do You see what he says here, right here in this passage of Scripture? Paul said that the believers at Macedonia first gave themselves to the Lord. That is the key. Grace giving begins when I am willingly to give myself completely unto the Lord. It's that place where I come to in life where I understand all that I am and all that I have belongs to the Lord. And I've simply been called to be a good steward, a manager of that which God has entrusted me to. Do you see that? Listen, folks, you do realize what you have doesn't belong to you, right? It is a gift of God. The very breath that you draw in through your nostrils and your mouth this morning that gives you the ability to get up out of bed every day and go into a job and earn money is given to you by God. That's the reason we're so clearly taught to us that in this world we are to very clearly hang on loosely to the things of this world. They are passing away. In this passage of Scripture, true grace giving begins when we offer ourselves completely to the Lord. I heard a humorous story that I believe that really drives this point home. I want you to hear it this morning. I heard a story about a pastor who was about to baptize a man. The pastor said, remember, Charles, everything that goes under the water belongs to God. As Charles was being baptized, the last thing you saw was Charles holding his wallet out of the water by his hand. Now, let's think about that for a moment. Isn't that true of some people in God's church? Yeah. They're not really willing to give God everything. Now, they're willing to give God some of the leftovers of their life. If there's enough money at the end of the month, I'll give a little bit of it to God. And if there's enough time at the end of the week, well, I'll give a little bit of that to God. And you know what? Even if I have an hour on Sunday morning, I'll come down and bless the Lord and worship Him. Amen? And do you know why the reason that is? It's because people have never fully offered themselves unto the Lord. This church, Macedonia, first offered themselves completely to the Lord. Now, I'm going to blow some of your minds this morning when I make this statement, but I want you to hear me very closely so your minds can be rest. uh, You can just rest assured, all right? God doesn't want your money, your time, or your possessions. God wants you. That's what he wants because God realizes if he has you, then all of those other things will have their right priority in our life. But until God has me, He'll never have the resources of my life. You see, the amazing thing is this. When I'm willing to give myself first to the Lord, do you know what happens? It frees me up to give my resources unto Him. But until I'm willing to give myself to the Lord, I'll never give my resources to the Lord. In this passage of Scripture, it is very easy for us to see and to understand that this church at Macedonia first gave themselves to the Lord. Grace giving begins with me giving myself to the Lord. Number three, the third truth that we see in this passage of Scripture is this, grace-giving is motivated by love. Let's go back to this passage of Scripture and let's begin reading in verse 6. And I want you to see how Paul brings this passage of Scripture to a, to, to a conclusion. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he has started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in the act of grace also. Did you see that two times in that passage of Scripture? Paul uses that phrase, act of grace on two different occasions, to refer to this offering. Now listen to what he says here in verse 8. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that, so that you by his poverty might become rich rich. Do you see what Paul does here in this passage of Scripture? Paul brings this passage of Scripture to a conclusion. He concludes that the Macedonians' giving was motivated by their love for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the reason Paul holds this church up as an example for the church at Corinth to follow. This church had given generously. As a matter of fact, this church had proven their love for Jesus Christ through their actions. So do you know what Paul does in this passage of Scripture? Paul challenges the church at Corinth. and He challenges them to let their love for Christ be their motivation for giving. Shouldn't that be true of all of our lives? shouldn't our motivation for giving be our love for jesus christ isn't that true listen folks we shouldn't give out a guilt or obligation we should give out of love for our lord jesus christ that in that alone should be motivation enough for us to give. The Bible teaches us clearly that God has given to us. The Bible says that God loves us, and it is His love that motivates Him to give to us. As a matter of fact, when we read the Word of God, God has given to us, in many ways. First, He has given to us spiritually, according to Ephesians, the first chapter, we have been blessed with every, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm. There is nothing that we lack for living the Christian life because God has given what we needed. In the Sermon on the Mount, what did Jesus Christ say in Matthew, the sixth chapter? In Matthew, the sixth chapter, Jesus Christ said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Do you know what he's referring to in that passage of Scripture? These things will be added unto you. If you go back and read right before that, the passage of Scripture deals with not being anxious, not worrying about the things of life. What God is saying is, I will provide for all of your physical needs in life. Now, we need to be careful here. You know why? We have a tendency to blur the lines don't we isn't that true between needs and wants sometimes they bleed over on top of one another that really our needs become i mean our wants become like needs in our life isn't that true but that's not what jesus christ was talking about what he was saying is this god will give you everything that is needed to live physically That is the promise of God's word. Jesus said, if you will only seek my kingdom first and God's righteousness, this is what God will do. He will throw open the gates, the floodgates of heaven, and he will provide for every need that you have in life. It is a promise in God's word, and God always keeps his promises. Do you see what I'm saying? It's impossible for God to go back on his word. God promises it. The clear teaching of God's Word is this. God gives because He is motivated by His love for us. And the reason we should give as God's people is because we love the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace giving is motivated by love. Love for the Lord Jesus Christ. When I look at this early church in Acts, the second chapter it's easy for me to draw the conclusion that this church participated in grace giving. They were motivated by their love and because of their love for the brethren, when they saw a need within the church, they sold what they had to meet that need. The church is a giving people. Do you see that? Isn't it true? Do you know what the single greatest verse in the Bible on grace-giving is? It's a verse of Scripture that's spoken by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's actually found in a story in the Gospel of John. These are the words of Jesus Christ. I want you to listen to them this morning. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That is the greatest grace-giving verse of Scripture in all of God's Word. God withheld nothing. He gave the very best of all that he had. He gave his one and only Son to you and I. When Jesus Christ stepped out of heaven and he came to earth, he didn't do it begrudgingly. He didn't do it out of obligation. He didn't step out of heaven and say, okay, Father, if that's what you want me to do, I'll do it. That's not what he said. When the Roman soldiers led Jesus Christ up the Villa de Rosa to Calvary, they didn't have to drag him. He went as sheep being led to the slaughter. He willingly went. Do you see that in Scripture? Willingly. It is the grace and the love of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that motivated him to go to the cross for you and I. The greatest picture of God's grace and love is the cross of Calvary. There can be no greater gift given than Jesus Christ. Should anything less be expected of our lives as followers of Jesus Christ? Should we not Give our lives unto the Lord. True grace giving is not about reaching in your pocket and taking a $20 bill out and giving it in the offering plate. True grace giving is about giving your life unto Christ. That's what it's about. And the amazing thing is, is we have the opportunity to do that this morning. To come before God's altar, come before His throne, and offer our lives unto Him as a living sacrifice. It's our duty. You know the only problem with the living sacrifice? It has the ability to climb down off of the altar. And so often that's what we do in life. This morning we're going to have an opportunity to respond to the Lord in whatever manner we need to respond today. Perhaps you're here and what you need to say is, Oh God, I've been withholding things from you and most important, I've been withholding my heart from you. I'm not completely and totally surrendered to you and that's what I need to do today. Perhaps you're here this morning and you never experienced the free gift of grace that God offers through his son Jesus Christ. I want you to know He loves you and He desires for you to know Him. That's the reason He sent His Son to the cross, to hang and die there. This morning, as we sing in a moment, I'm going to ask you to respond in whatever manner you need to respond. I'm going to ask the instrumentalist to come. I'm going to have a word of prayer. And after that, it's going to give us an opportunity to respond to the Lord. Father God, we thank You for Your love and the way You have spoken to our hearts. We thank You for the truth of Your Word. And, Father, I pray that we will see giving as so much more than just writing out a check or putting money in an offering plate. But really, Lord, what you desire of us is you desire us. You want us. So, Father, I pray today that we would offer our lives unto you, that we would surrender everything that we own to you, Lord, that you would be the master of our lives, our Lord. Father, if there's someone here today who doesn't know you in a personal way, I pray today would be the day that they trust Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Father, you continue to have your way in our hearts and our lives this morning during this hymn of invitation. We give it to you. We pray this in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.